This is the Italian American Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping Italian Americans learn about their heritage. We talk to experts, authors, and everyday Italian Americans on all things Italian from traditions, culture, food, genealogy, travel, and more. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and I have with me my co-host, Dolores Alfieri. And this is a special bonus episode that we decided to publish to celebrate Mike Piazza's induction into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, which happens on July 24th, 2016. If you're listening on the date that this episode is published, that's today, and we're really excited about it. Most of the content in this episode was recorded at the National Italian American Foundation's New York City Gala this past April, including our interview with Mike Piazza as well as his moving honorary acceptance speech at the gala, which you'll hear both of shortly. We've also included a fun segment at the end of the episode where we talk to some Met fans about Mike Piazza. Dolores, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Anthony. I'm really happy uh, with the way this episode turned out. I think it packs a lot of emotion for a really momentous weekend that this episode is publishing on. And also, just so everyone knows, I, I am in Italy right now. I'm in southern Italy um, trying to trace down my ancestral roots, um, been going to some small towns, having some success, which I'll share on another episode or through another one of our, our written articles. But if you hear an echo in the background, it's because uh, the hotel we're at just doesn't have Wi-Fi. There's only Wi-Fi in the lobby. So I'm sitting in a lobby in a hotel in southern Italy <laughs> recording uh-huh. this special episode with, <laughs> with Dolores. So you may hear even some Italian here in the background. And you're working around the uh, 1 to 4 lunch hour where everything shuts down. That's right. They won't let you in to use the Wi-Fi between 1 and 4. That's right. We're working around the <laughs> one, 1 to 4 o'clock shutdown, which I'm strongly thinking about implementing when I get home myself. <laughs> No way. You're, you're way too, uh, too entrepreneurial and energetic to rest for three hours during the day. That's the American in you. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. So in this episode, what you're about to hear is first, you're going to hear a one-on-one interview that we did with the one and only Mike Piazza. If you're not familiar with Mike, he's a former professional baseball catcher who played 16 seasons in Major League Baseball from 1992 to 2007. He played most notably for the New York Mets and Los Angeles Dodgers, while also having brief stints with other teams. He was a 12-time All-Star and a 10-time Silver Slugger Award winner at catcher. Piazza produced strong offensive numbers at his position in his career. He recorded 427 home runs, a record 396, which were hit as a catcher. I mean, just a phenomenal uh, career. And as typical Italian-American style, he was drafted very low in the draft. And he worked his way up quickly to become one of the greatest hitters of all time based on the fact that he has that record. We know that. And also just recently, Mike Piazza announced that he's agreed in principle to buy the Italian soccer team, AC Reggiana, 1919, which is, again, keeping in with his whole, you know, sports perspective and and drive. And and so it's it's an honor to be able to have this episode with him. And we're really excited about it. So what we're going to do is jump in. I'm going to give you a quote here to take us in, which is La Familia e Tutto which translated means that the family is everything. And again, Mike focused a lot on family in his speech. So let's jump right into our interview with Mike Piazza. All right, 
we're getting ready to uh, interview Mike Piazza here. Dolores, how are you feeling? I'm feeling great. Anthony, this place is beautiful, and it's packed. This is so exciting to be here with all of these Italian-Americans. Everyone's looking so spiffy. It's great. It is. It's a lot of fun, and we're excited to speak to some of the people we're going to get the chance to talk to tonight. Did I just say spiffy? Italian-American podcast, and NIAF is our official sponsor. So we work closely with John and the rest of the crew. Yeah, we just kind of started this in November, and we've been growing together. So we have a special partnership. And we've been, yes, it's been wonderful. We're trying to really help young Italian-Americans understand where they came from so that they understand their heritage. And, you know, we know that you're very outspoken as an Italian-American. And I guess one of the questions for you is, like, you know, why do you think it's so important to really identify as an Italian-American? Well, I think because of all the contributions uh, of Italian-Americans to this country and their extreme passion and love for their heritage, their, for God, their families, and their country. You know, many of them came over here with, you know, they didn't have benefits. They didn't have a, a lot of the things that immigrants have today, the safety net, and um, they didn't have, uh, they just came over with nothing. And they had to get to work and they had to, you know, provide for their families, but they never lost faith, and they worked hard, and many of, uh, you know, workers and, and guys that had tough jobs and uh, put their kids through school, and a lot of them are here now because of the sacrifices of our parents and our and our grandparents. So I think it's so important to imply to our youth, our next generation, and I did that with my children, that where they're from, to remember where they're from, and to reconnect to where they're from. And I've said many times before, you can be uniquely Italian and uniquely American, and that's what this country is all about. And the fact that we have the freedom here to celebrate our heritage and the contributions of our fathers and forefathers is why I'm involved in NIAF. And I told John and Vinny that anytime you need me, I'm available. I'll help you because I believe in this organization. You're your time here. There's so many people wanting to talk to you. I mean, that's you being very generous. One question I have is you kind of touched on it. We talk a lot on the podcast with the guests that we have about what we as a people, Italian-Americans, have to offer the rest of America. What are some of the values you think that are very particular to Italian-Americans that could help enrich the rest of the country? I think Italian-Americans really understand the order, the natural order, and the extreme passion for love of family and love of community. And I think today, unfortunately, with everyone seems very fractured, everyone seemed very preoccupied. And, you know, my father always made sure at the end of the night we had dinner together, we talked. There was no phones, there was no video games, there was no computers. We just talked as a family, and that's how we became very close. And it spreads out. That's the, the seed, and that's the community. And if the communities do that, I think a lot of the problems and issues that are in society today would be mitigated in a way. So for me, that's the most important thing. And he always told me, you know, you're Italian, you're Italian. Hey, that guy, I like that guy, he's Italian. And it was like, it was like a hammer on my skull. And so I had no choice but to embrace it. But I'm glad I did. And again, that's something for me that I will teach my children. And I take my children every year. I mean, I'm blessed. I have more money than my dad. So I take them for a month and they know where they're from. They know, you know, that they're going to pass it on to their children. And, you know, that's the biggest thing. I think if the fastest way to kill a tree is to cut out the roots. And when you lose the roots, you know, the traditions die. And I love traditions, and I think we need to keep them going. 
Hey, Mike, one of the things about traditions is we know that like when our ancestors immigrated here, all the Italians lived together in the same neighborhood. You know, people used to come together for dinner every Sunday. But as people are growing up, it's becoming more modern. It seems like it's harder to keep some of those traditions alive. Do you have any advice on some things we could do or what Italians can do even with their kids to keep it? I mean, you just had a good one bringing yeah. them to Italy, but any thoughts on that? No, I, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's like any endeavor. You have to put something into it. You consciously have to make the effort. It's not going to happen accidentally. It's like a, your faith in a way. I mean, you can't just stand there and say, a, you know, strike me with a bolt of lightning. You have to put time in it. You have to put research and you have to dedicate yourself. And, you know, kids are moldable and you have to really, really impose upon them. And they learn. I mean, kids are like, you know, they want the discipline. They want you to teach them. And so I found that my children, you know, they go to Italy now. And it was the cutest thing. I went to church with my daughter and there's a little Italian kid, and he dropped, like, a coloring book or something, and he picked it up. She picked it up and gave it to him, and he said, uh, the dad nudged him. He said, grazie, and she said, prego. And I had never talked to her, you know. It, so she had gone to the camp at the school and learned. So it's really, yes, and, and so, yes, you, you just have to do it, and you have to make the time because it's not going to happen automatically. I think the more and more we talk to people and ask this question, that's what we're realizing is that it's work. And yes. that's what people need to understand to hold everything, like to hold your family together, yeah. to keep the traditions together. It's work. But it's a labor of love, you know. It's Absolutely. it's work. I never knew what that meant. Oh, you have to work in a relationship. Right. You have to work right. in a marriage. And I was like, what does that mean? And now I know what it means. And it really means just putting the time in and being present and listening and being a good listener. And I read a great quote. Uh, Larry King said, you know, I will never learn anything by talking. I will learn by listening. So, you know, the fact that you have to put the time in and and you have to just mold them. You know, they're clay, and they love it. And so uh, yeah, I tell you, and it's hard, I know, but you start slow and don't put on real expectations. You know, it's like exercising. You can't just, you're not right. going to run a marathon in one day. So right. that's what I tell people. Be, be patient, but also diligent. One last question. How do you feel being Italian-American and being raised Italian-American has contributed to your enormous success? I think because of all the values that, uh, and the traditions that, that are part of, of what we are and where we're from has just, I got it through osmosis in a sense that I knew if I wanted to do something, I had to work at it. I had to apply exceptional work. You know, I, I just couldn't do it. It wasn't, I, it wasn't a natural athlete. I had to work at it. And I think I was able to self-identify that I knew I had to work on those things. So, you know, we, we don't really, our traditions are, we, we are very pragmatic people. We know what our skills are, and we don't try to be something we're not. But we do have that ability to roll up our sleeves and just get it done. So I think you have to do a lot of internalizing and realize that, uh, you know, not, not everyone's meant to be a baseball player. But, you know, you can be good at what you do. And, and you see in doctors and lawyers and businessmen and all the people here that you eventually find your way if you believe that there's a plan and, and trust in God. Great. Mike Piazza, congratulations, My Mike. My pleasure. Yeah. Enjoyed it. So that was Dolores and I speaking with Mike Piazza one-on-one, -on -one. and now we're going to transition into his honorary acceptance speech at the NIAF Gala. And here in this speech, you're going to hear his Italian heritage really come out, talking about his Italian upbringing, how important it is to him, and really he actually brings all of our families into the speech. And that's what we're going to hear right now. Here it goes. And 
esteemed president, his father Benny knew for me, the most incredible party the other night. I'm still trying to figure out, process the whole thing. It was uh, a million miles an hour. It was like a seven-yard fastball, and it was just so amazing. Yeah. And we had show up, Leonardo DiCaprio. We had just a great time. And as he said, it was just a neighborhood get-together of a bunch of good old guys in the neighborhood who truly love their Italian heritage. Tony, thank you for that wonderful introduction. That was so special very much. And again, I just want to say this, you know, I am so grateful and so proud to be Italian. Thank you. I want to thank Naya again because I'll tell you what, I think this is such a special organization. And a few years ago, it was an organization in transition. John was just named the president. And George Randazzo is here tonight. I was fortunate to, to be asked by George to be the spokesman for the National Italian American Sports Hall of Fame in Chicago. Sister, brother organization on behalf they've been so very special to support us in everything we do. But he said, hey, Mike, do you want to go to the NEF uh, Gala in Washington? They're in transition. They want you to see the event. I said, absolutely, I'd love to. And that stoked a friendship which today I'm so very grateful. And I appreciate everything this organization does because first and foremost, we celebrate our heritage. We celebrate our love of God. This is a non-secular event, okay, everybody? We're down with JC here, so. So that wonderful Benedetta Christmas that I've not seen you without taking Number one, number two, we celebrate our love for family. And speaking of family, I'm so blessed and fortunate to have my father, Vincenzo, show up tonight. Italy. 
He says, that's wonderful, Giuseppe. What are you going to do for your 50th anniversary? He goes, I'm going to pick her up.
it's time for our Italian-American Stories segment. This is the part of the show where we try to bring you back to your family gatherings, conversations, and we try to play a recording or a story from one of our relatives. In this case, we're actually going to do something a little bit different. Dolores, why don't you tell our listeners what we've got here today? Yeah, as we quickly mentioned in the beginning, uh, in the intro, this is a uh a conversation between um, my boyfriend, Drew, and two of our friends. And, and the three of them have been friends for a very long time. They all grew up in Jersey. They're all longtime Met fans. And they're all really excited about the fact that Mike Piazza is being inducted into the Hall of Fame. What was really great about this conversation is they kind of give some backstory on why this is such a big deal, but more so why Mike Piazza is such a big deal and why he's so beloved. Of course, we talk about the Italian-American aspect to all of this and what he represents to Italian-Americans, in particular to Italian-American men of their generation. As our listeners have heard so far, Mike Piazza is extremely proud of his heritage, and he's extremely proud of being a Roman Catholic. He lives by those values, and as you'll hear in this segment, it's really an inspiration to a lot of people in the country and beyond. So this is the story segment of the Italian-American podcast, and we have a really fun segment for you today. I'm here on the line with three other Italian-Americans, all from Jersey, and they're friends of mine. I'm here with my boyfriend, Drew Toronto, and Michael Bazone and Nick Ferraro. So we're going to talk a little bit here about, I'm going to have them basically fill us in about Piazza, why it's so important that he's being inducted into the baseball baseball Hall of Fame, what that means. So, hey, fellas, how are you doing? Good. Good. Hi, Dolores. Up, I'm doing great, Dolores. All right, guys. So, you know, I know I know a lot of our listeners are probably Met fans, and I know that a lot of our listeners are probably familiar with Piazza as well as the Baseball Hall of Fame. But I know a lot of our listeners aren't, and and they're just. Uh, passionate Italian-Americans who listen to the show for that reason. So why don't we start with you giving those listeners in particular a little background on why why is this such a big deal that Mike Piazza is being inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame, A, and what has he done to earn it? Well, thanks for having us on the show, Dave. Appreciate it. This is, this is awesome. I mean, uh, getting to meet Mike Piazza at the gala, all that was just so cool. Right. Cause you um, were there. That was a lot of fun. I was there. Mm-hmm. Yep. That was awesome. Um, and I mean, just, just for starters, I mean, this guy was, he is the greatest all time hitting catcher in major league baseball history. I mean, you're talking about a really old sport. Uh, the guy hit over 300 for his entire career, hit over 400 homers, over 1,300 RBIs. I mean, he's he's no joke. 12-time All-Star. And he's Italian-American, and he happened to play the bulk of his career for our favorite team, the New York Mets. Let's go Mets. Right. <laughs> Nick, you want to add anything? Yeah, I mean, he was um, – there was a, probably about a five-to-six-year five, five to six year stretch where he was, you know, one of the top five hitters in all of baseball regardless of position. Um and being a Met fan for you know many years up to that point, we uh, had some great pitching years, but we never really had great players um, offensively um, after the '80s, uh, after the Strawberry years, and all things like that. So um, it was definitely a franchise at the time that was in need of a a power bat. And and when he got traded to to the uh, 
to the Marlins and then to the Mets, um, it made all the difference in the franchise. Um, and a quick personal note was uh, I was actually um, – I was a, a Yankee fan, actually, up until about eighth grade. Not a lot of my friends know that. I'm admitting that. And I was watching. I was, I was more of a passive fan, but my, my father was a Yankees fan. And um, I was watching, happened to be watching a Mets game one year with my brother and some of his buddies who were Mets fans. And Piazza hit a, a walk-off home run against the Padres. It was Tre- uh, Trevor Hoffman was the pitcher. And nice. He was a great pitcher, and uh, they were talking about how nobody has has you know has hit a home run off this guy in the ninth inning in how many years. And and I remember watching it and him him come up and, and hit a home run and the way the crowd reacted, I was captivated and it was um, it was the turning point for me. And I've never looked back. I'm I'm a huge Mets fan for over 15 years now, and. And honestly, I can say it's if it wasn't for from Piazza, that wouldn't be the case. Wow. wow. I mean, that's a testament right there. Yep. Well, truth that's be told, well, when, when I met Drew, I mean, my family is a Yankee family, for sure. Yankee fans. And I would say I'm the same, more of a passive fan. You know, I'm not... I, I'm into sports. I like them. I like to watch a ball game, but I, I wouldn't say I'm, like, reading the sports pages every day. But, you know, right. it was actually... It was Drew who really started introducing me of course to the Mets and to Piazza in particular and the more I kind of was like reading about him and and would follow him on social media the more I was like this guy is is really interesting you know he's always posting about uh, pride in being Italian-American pride in his Catholicism and it just seems like such an interesting mix in one man right because especially in today's day and age and in the sports and entertainment world, you don't you don't see a lot of those kind of old school values being professed by young people, especially. And he's on the younger side. Absolutely. Hey, Dolores, Absolutely. I have to jump. I have to jump yeah. in here. And this is this is asked, Michael Bazone. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, for the for the listeners that you, you mentioned before, you know what? Why the Hall of Fame? What does it mean? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot a lot of people probably don't understand even the statistics. What the Hall of Fame is? There's only 312 members of the Hall of Fame. Actually, 217 are actually even former players. Um, statistics for baseball really only started back in about the 1870s. Um, you're probably talking, in my opinion, somewhere between almost a half a million ball players at least. Mm. And he is one of, he's going to be one of 217 people to be inducted. So. <clears throat> That is uh, 217 players. Uh, The others are executives, umpires, uh, 10 Negro League players. So for for just the listeners to understand how important, how big of a deal the Hall of Fame is. I didn't know uh, that, actually. So that that is helpful. So it's it's extremely – it's an elite club. This is not a club that – this is the best of the best, not only of the sport, and you kind of mentioned before, um, a lot of guys sometimes don't get in because of how good their ability on the field was, you had to be a pretty decent human being as well. It's a very respected club, and uh, that ties into how Mike got in. So the big deal that's been happening around this is because it is a big deal. That's right. It's not just hype. And now for as Met fans, because the Mets have a – I don't want to get, like, you know, jumped on here, but the Mets have, like, a checkered – past in terms of winning (laughs) winning and and (laughs) such so especially to have to have one of your own getting into this elite club i would we've had our we've had our ups and our downs (laughs) (laughs) 
a lot, a lot more, a lot more downs. You don't have to say checker. They haven't been very good. They only have two championships since they started the team in 1962. So yeah, it's. But you have Piazza, um, and now he's going into the Hall of Fame, and that's a big deal for you guys. Yeah, so it's it's definitely something to be celebrated. Um, You know, we're excited about it. I mean, and and talk about a guy that like we, you know, we're in our in our early 30s. Um, this is a guy we grew up watching. So, you know, right. you talk about a guy that, you know, you looked up to and you watched every day when you were, you know, a teenager. Um, it was just, it was great. And you were never reading anything in the paper about him being a dirtbag, you know, beating, beating right. his wife up or, right. like you, hear today you know, with different players. Getting, yeah. getting locked up. And yeah. uh, he was just always the face of the franchise, the face of baseball for a point in time, and just yeah. just a good guy. He actually, you know, he's going to go into the Hall of Fame as a Met player, but he really came up through the Los Angeles Dodgers system. Uh, so if you read his book, he talks about how weird L.A. was to him. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> uh, uh, and it was quite a culture shock to him and um, how there was a lot of uh, womanizing and mm. – Different different things that players were doing, and that's not that was just not Mike's style. Right. So right. it was a very big, from how he from how he talks, it was a very big adaptation to what shaped him as a player and as a person, also. And and people in L.A. actually found him kind of weird because <laughs> because of that. <laughs> well, L.A. for the East Coast people is a little. It's a little weird for us anyway. Pennsylvania to L.A. is uh, yeah. A it's jump. a different world. It's a long yeah. road. Nick, are you still on the line? I am. I, okay. I lost you guys for a minute, That's but I'm back now. Okay, I just want to make Nick, sure you're Nick back. Nick, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dina put out a pasta uh, lasagna in front of him, and he just went to town on it. <laughs> <laughs> he took a break to eat some pasta. So you yeah, know, back now, you guys are already you guys are already touching on this a little bit um, in terms of what what Piazza means to the Mets, you know, and it being a New York team. There's a lot of Italian-Americans in our area, the, the New York, New Jersey area. Let's talk about his being an Italian-American because I don't really think at this point I feel like I know enough about him that you can't separate the two. Well, I mean, I could jump. I want to jump in here Please. first. Uh, <laughs> um, Mike's father, he, Mike didn't grow up with a lot of money. He was uh, just like a lot of Italian-Americans and my family included. Just blue-collar. Yeah, they didn't really. They came here with nothing, um, and Mike grew up very poor. But there was something, and I'm going to be biased because I'm an Italian American. Mm-hmm. But the the amount of work ethic that is instilled to us as children and as we mm-hmm. go into being adults is um, is is paramount. So Mike's father, um, who is now a very successful businessman, by the way, he owns a lot of car dealerships. If that's a side note, but yeah. uh, he instilled a very strong work ethic into Mike. And no one ever really thought he was actually going to amount, let alone a Hall of Famer, even to make professional baseball. Uh, so, number one, I would say jumping into how it relates to Italians is uh, work ethic and not mattering what's going on in the world, politically, whatever. Um, if As long as you do what you have to do, you're going to be successful, and that's what made him where he is. Yeah, his, his father even just believed so much in him that he built a batting cage in his backyard and Mike would hit like hundreds of balls a day. Wow. 
he had like a makeshift one in his backyard and he would just sit out there all day for days and just crush balls. Yeah. <laughs> and a side note to that, <laughs> he, um, a lot of times when he was growing up, he, he, he talked about how a lot of his friends would go out partying and he swore to himself that he would be at the cage uh, every night at midnight. So for wow. the majority of his life, I don't know if he still does it to this day, even on New Year's Day, he was practicing in the batting cage that they had. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's... He was a, he's a very type A guy, I'm assuming. That's work ethic. Well, he mentions that in our in our interview. He mentions that, you know, he wasn't necessarily the first pick, but he worked and put a lot of time into it and put a lot of energy into it. And he worked. And he said, you know, he basically worked his way up to this position. It wasn't just like a, a genetic gift, let's say. Well, I mean, he's a he's a big, strong guy. The only reason he got drafted into the major leagues because his father knew Tommy Lasorda, who was the coach of the Dodgers, and asked him as a favor uh, to draft his son. I think it was the 31st round, which is pretty much at that point. The bottom you know, draft. Yeah, I mean, you, you, no, one, no one really cares who you are at that point. And Tommy Lasorda took him as a favor. And the rest was history. So when you say when you say he wasn't the first pick, he was almost the dead last. And we talk so often on the podcast about that Italian American work ethic, and you know how that value is instilled in us. And it, you know it's a it's a generalization, but really, it isn't. You know, I more often yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, more often <laughs> than not, we find that it's just kind of in our blood, and it's it's what we're taught, and 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 it's part of who we are as people. You know. Uh, Nick, are you there? I am, yep. I'm wondering if you have anything to add to that, to the Italian-American aspect of all this. Well, uh, just uh, just as far as being able to relate, I mean, I just think it was a perfect fit for him to be put in New York where you have yeah. um, a high concentration of, of Italian-Americans. And it gave uh, me and, you know, a lot of people that I knew that were in my circle somebody that they could really relate to mm. um, as opposed to, um, you know, somebody – uh, who is, you know, like Drew, Drew touched on it before, was getting in trouble. I mean, it, right. this guy, his his uh, character was um, uh, on equal par with, with his playing ability, which was something that, you know, it's, it's something special. It's part of the reason why I love him so much personally. He's a family guy. I mean, he loves his wife, his kids. Um, you know, he, he's tweeting on Ash Wednesday to go get your ashes, you know. I mean, he's just... He's just like a regular guy, like you know, who's not so regular. <laughs> right. He's always been very modest. Um, he's he always had a flair for the dramatic, but at the same time, he he kept uh, he was always modest, and and you could see that even when he was going through adversity, he never uh, stooped too low or or became like um, somebody who was like cocky or anything like that. He always was on kind of an even keel, um, and it made him it made him easy to love. I think the cockiest thing he ever did in his career was dye his hair blonde. I mean, <laughs> I, think that was I think that might have been it. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, he was he was peer pressured by his L.A. friends. Is that right? <laughs> Absolutely. Not, <laughs> Eric. Was it? Yeah. Eric Karras was his uh, was his roommate out in uh, L.A. And Eric Karras was like, what's wrong with you, dude? You're in L.A., like living at the beach. You need some blonde hair. <laughs> Yeah, he had blonde hair when he was on the Mets too. 
Yeah, but he continued that. I'm telling you, from what he said, it was it was the L.A. influence. Took him a while to shake it. That's funny. So with that, I I know that there is a a seminal moment, especially as New York New Yorkers and uh, and folks from New Jersey, that is really important, and that's when uh, Piazza hit a home run after 9-11. Yes. Yeah. So who wants to tell that story? Because this is one of the reasons he's also completely beloved in this area. Nick, why don't you start? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, they say there's um, certain moments in everybody's life when you remember exactly where you were and yeah. what you were doing. And, uh, of course, uh, one of the things, unfortunately, is you remember where you were when you heard um, – you know what what had happened on 9/11, um, but but sure enough, you know a couple of weeks later, um, and I remember exactly where I was to this day. Um, Piazza hit a home run in the I think it was the bottom of the eighth inning, and uh, I think probably 99% of the people that were watching at home or in the stands all started crying. And mm. Mike always said, you know, whenever anybody asks him about it, he always says that uh, he doesn't feel like he's a hero and he doesn't. People call him a hero for that day, but. Uh, when you can bring that many people uh, like to tears right. just by playing a sport, I mean, he really was a hero that day. Um, but in in classic Mike fashion, he doesn't even feel comfortable talking about it. Right. It doesn't surprise me that that he has a reaction like that. But in a sense, I mean, you know, you you hear you hear prestigious athletes all the time say that they're not heroes. The guys that get it say that they're not heroes. But, I mean, you're talking about this was the first professional sports game to be played in, like, a week or two. Right. I mean, they sh- break, they sh- everything yeah. was shut down. Yeah. I mean, you know, this was just so catastrophic. I mean, you had President Bush throw out the first pitch in a Kevlar vest, and then all the dramatics, and then Piazza comes up and just, you know, just absolutely crushes the ball and just uplifts a whole city and essentially a whole country. I mean, it was like Americana at its best. And who better than than Mike Piazza? It's well said. Yeah, yeah. And and I mean that night it was actually September twenty first. It was it was ten days ten days after. And on top of that, the uh, the Mets are playing their biggest rivals. I'm I will still argue to this day they were playing the Atlanta Braves, who were a thorn in our side for I don't Ever. know, 20 years. Yeah. I mean, as long as I can remember, I hate the Braves. Years. So, um, um, and, yeah, it's and rough. to talk, to talk about the Kevlar vest, every player at that time wore either an FDNY hat, um, instead of their team logo or an NYPD hat. Right. So it was, um, it was known that this was a major thing. It was a pack sellout night. And Mike has a very distinct, uh, swing, uh, his, his batting swing. And uh, he launched a bomb to the furthest part of the baseball field, which is center field. And when he rounded third, I remember being beside myself. The entire stadium was going nuts. Even the Atlanta Braves that were losing realized what um, when your opponent tips their cap to you, mm. you know you did something special. Right. Wow. That sounds beautiful. I mean, I've seen the clip. I've been, I've been made to watch it. <laughs> well... <laughs> It's, it's, 
<laughs> it's one of it's one of the shining moments in Mets history. That's for damn sure. If Agreed. Not, it is yeah. moving. If I, if I get a if I get a few uh, too many glasses of wine in me, sometimes I I pop it on the big screen. It's you know? true. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> There's it nothing wrong moving. with that. Well, you know, when Tony Reale introduced Piazza <laughs> at the gala, that was. That was one um, one thing that he mentioned, and again, the the crowd was cheering, and we have we have some audio from that of you know Anthony and I recorded some audio when when Tony's talking about that, but Drew's standing next to us, and like the well like slew of comments coming out of his mouth made it so we couldn't use the audio. <laughs> but it's it was my bad. It's, <laughs> Like but to apologize it was for that. really, it's really, it's really charming. I mean, it, it, you're you're just very passionate. Like Tony, Tony's basically Tony Reale is basically saying the same things that you you guys are saying about that moment, and you were just totally vibing with the hymn, you know. So minus the well, profanity, right? Exactly. Well, <laughs> well I, I I only met Mike once. It was and this was actually before I read his book, and he was walking down um, Fifth Avenue in front of the library, oh, and he wow. was on the phone. And uh, I mean, people in New York, they don't even, people just walk by everybody. Now I saw him immediately and he was on the phone and I stopped him dead in his tracks. And I said, Mike, and he, and he put his phone down. I said, you know, what's going on? How are you? (laughs) I shook his hand and I said, thank you. And thank you for that home run after nine 11. He goes, I truly appreciate it. And just to fast forward, probably a five, six years later, he wrote in his book, he goes, whenever I get stopped by a fan, they thank me for that. never gets old. So it's mm, awesome. He, that is awesome. He, he he might say that you know he's not a superhero, but he's he knows how how great that moment was and what it meant to everyone. Oh yeah. Drew made fun of me because the next morning after the gala, we went we were you know we were in the city. We went to get breakfast, and I was thinking about Piazza's speech, and I was so moved. I just even the next morning, I was thinking about what a beautiful thing that is. You know, such a successful person such a accomplished person and to tell me that my ancestors and my parents go into this elite club with him i was like crying where were we i forget what the name of the place is okay uh, you want to hear the real story okay you're having you're having brunch i remember (laughs) we're back in new york we go to this awesome gala with all these italian americans and just great people from the top to the bottom and we have a great night and the next morning we're having breakfast at Eisenberg's on Fifth Avenue. Right, it's like an awesome, yeah. awesome joint. Nick, you've been Delicious. there with me a few times. <laughs> and I'm having like just a plate full of runny eggs and bacon and toast. And I look, I'm like in the happiest place in the world. I met Piazza the night before. It was just a ton of fun. I look over and Dolores is crying and I'm just like, oh, oh God, what did I do? And I'm like, what's the matter? And she's like, I was just thinking about Piazza's speech, and I was like, see, I've been telling you all these years. Yes. Piazza, the Mets, yep. this is what you're missing out on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're when you guys were interviewing him, when every interview he did, one after the next, he was just totally focused and totally engaged and, like, so courteous to yes. whoever it was. It, it didn't matter if it was a podcast the right. Times, right. the Post, right. uh, you know, a yeah. blog, a this, a that. It didn't matter. Yeah. He was engaged, and he was talking to these people as long as they wanted. I mean, the PR people had to come over and stop <laughs> some of these things because yeah. he would have just kept going because he's that that much of a you know of a good guy. 
Well, good thing I wasn't there because I would have stopped. <laughs> <laughs> I think we know that. He'd probably be hanging on his leg. <laughs> Come on, that's it. It's over. Just one more scotch. <laughs> Please. Well, guys, is there anything else as we wrap up here that you'd, you'd just like you know to add or maybe have listeners know as you're got, you guys are like classic Italian-American, New Jersey guys. That's why I love every one of you. Anything <laughs> you want to add? I'll jump in real quick and just want to say, you know, if if Mike does listen to this, thank you for uh, for being a, a you know a great guy and somebody that we really can look up to as kids. Um, we all know that a lot of the stereotypes Italian Americans mm-hmm. take on. Um, uh, he's somebody that we really could look up to, um, and for that reason, you know, he is a hero. And I just want to say thanks, Mike. And just to coattail off that, I mean, not only as being an inspiration as a young man being an inspiration as a man today and how to live your life. I mean, just perfect example. Um, and, and just congratulations. Good for him, man. Earned it the right way. Hard work. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's cue, so... cue Sinatra my way. That was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> he really defines what Italian American is really all about in uh, so many aspects. And, the one thing Italians did really well was they stayed very close in tight-knit communities. And that's how they rose to, and they used it as not as a defensive mechanism, as an offensive mechanism. Because I see a lot in this country, sometimes people stay together in communities for wrong reasons. The Italians didn't do it that way. It was how do we make our community better, ourselves better, and ultimately our lives better. So that's my my two cents. Mike touched on that at his uh, speech at the Italian-American Gala. Um, you know, he, he didn't want to get too deep into politics or anything. But he said, you know, we didn't come here to this country with our hands out. We came here to work and to build something and to make make something of ourselves. Yeah. We had the opportunity. It was right there. He's like, and they took it and ran with it. That's right. And And, you know... He kind of ended it there, but it was, it hits home, you know? It does. You can can see. It's something to be proud of. I think that's what he was getting at, that, you know, that work ethic, that dedication, that do whatever I have to do, not not waiting for anybody to open the door, not asking for anything, but doing it, making sure you feed your family and take care of them. That's, that's in our, that's a big part of our heritage and it's something that we can be proud of. It's in our DNA. but also that to that point, you you knew your next door neighbor was also a poor Italian, just like yourself, yeah. who had had your back. You know, that's a, that goes a long way. All right, guys. Well, this this has been a lot of fun, as it usually is, to hang out with you guys. So thanks so much for being a part of the Italian American podcast. This was so awesome. awesome. Thanks awesome. so much. Thanks, Dolores. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> go Piazza. Let's, Let's go, go Mets. Mets. <laughs> yep. See, that's a, that's a converted, that's a convert right there. Love that. So good.
We hope you enjoyed this special bonus episode. We just want to conclude this episode by congratulating Mike Piazza on this extremely momentous achievement. And we also just want to take a moment to thank him for being so outspoken about his Italian-American heritage and really kind of doing a service for all of us by expressing that pride. It means a lot to me, and I know it means a lot to Anthony, and as you heard in that story segment, a lot to many other people. So... Congratulations, Mike. Auguri! Auguri!